Amazing Grace Kona welcomes you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. We're in Jude, continuing our study. Last week, we went over how Jude was starting this letter saying, I wanted to write about our common salvation, but instead I felt the necessity to write to you about something else. There's these certain fellows that have crept in, and he called them hidden reefs in your love feast. And they feast with you without fear, caring for themselves. For they have gone the way of Cain. And for pay, they rush headlong into the error of Balaam. And they perished in the rebellion of Korah. And we went over the prophecy that he referred to from Enoch, the one that was from the seventh generation from Adam, Enoch, the one that walked with God and pleased God, he prophesied that the Lord would come again. And the Lord wouldn't come just by himself, but behold, in verse 14, the Lord would come with many thousands of his holy ones, and he would execute judgment upon all to convict all of all their ungodly deeds, which they have done in an ungodly way. And all the harsh things which the ungodly sinners have spoken against him. But these, verse 16, these are grumblers. These are fault finders. These follow after their own lusts. They speak arrogantly. They flatter people for the sake of gaining advantage. This little paragraph is worthy to take a moment to just absorb. So I want to show you the things Jude says to look for when you're wondering, is this person sent here as a fellow believer to grow with us, or is this someone that has come in and is dangerous? And let me show you what you can spot right here. Right away, the first one, Jude says, these ones are grumblers. You ever run into those ones that grumble about everything? Grumble, grumble, grumble. Remember Korah was that priest that grumbled, I'm not the high priest like Aaron and Listen, one of the first things that marks one of these guys that are not there for building up the body is that they're grumblers. They're always grumbling about something. That's not a mark of a person seeking the Lord. That's a mark of somebody tearing down the work of the Lord. Then the next thing is they are fault finders. Finding fault. That's all they do. There's always a, oh man, this is wrong and that's wrong. You ever been around those type of folks? We are all, it says, works in progress. Then Paul wrote to the church, For I am confident of this very thing, that God who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. In other words, God is at work in each one of us. And one of the best things we can remember to help us cohabit together is that we're just all works in progress. When you see someone else and you think, Oh, they seem like they're really struggling in this area or that area. They're a work in progress. That's the hill they're on getting over right now. I remember that hill. Or maybe you haven't even got to that hill yet. But just knowing that we're all on a journey in our faith and we're all in a process of growth helps me have great grace for other people in their journey. But if you think, well, I came to Christ, I have arrived. I'm part of the Holy Anointed Club. We are the sanctified and super duper perfect ones. You're deceived. Isaiah said, our righteousness is as filthy rags. The, the word for menstruation rags is what it was. That's how great men's righteousness is before God. 
Our only righteousness is what was made for us in Jesus. Jesus made us righteous. But when guys don't walk in that grace, they don't walk in that sweet understanding of we're all works in progress, we're all growing. I like being around the people that have that outlook. Look, I'm just a work in progress. They're a work in progress. We're all working at this together. Those people are wonderful to be around. But have you ever been around the ones who think they've already arrived? And they're all finding fault, pointing the finger at all the other people. Well, look at them. They're just messed up. And that one over there is messed up. And that one. And they're always finding fault with people. Those guys are not healthy for the growth of the body. They'll say some really cutting things about someone in the body. And if that person hears those things, they'll go home from service and they'll be laying on their bed that night. And what will be going through their mind? That mean thing that was said about them. Well, they're not perfect and they do this wrong or they and it will destroy not build up it will tear down the faith they're grumblers they're fault finders there's two of the things you should help you mark and notice them when they show up if you see someone always grumbling always finding fault with everyone there's a good chance they may not be walking upright with the lord they might be one of these fellows now there's a few more details we can look to assess this. Jude didn't stop there. He says, they follow after their own lusts. They're not they follow after the leading of the Holy Spirit and doing what God wants them to do. What's their drive? Their own passions, their own lusts. They speak arrogantly. Here's the fourth thing that you can mark them by. They're arrogant. They are full of themselves. They are prideful, better than everyone else. It's more like a sum up of a type of character. All these little details, you could pick one of the details and say, yeah, that's a good detail, or yeah, that's a good detail. But if you put them all together, I notice it's kind of like a certain type of individual. And by the way, it's not just men. There are women that have these same characteristics. They're always grumbling. They're always finding fault. They're always full of themselves. They're better than everyone else. They're better than the pastor's wife. They're better than the pastor's children. And this one, the last one, he says, they flatter people for the sake of gaining advantage. They're after something. Like, what do you want? Whenever someone comes with flattering lips, the Proverbs have a lot of warnings about watch out for the one that comes with the lips to flatter. You should be red alert, red alert. And they are not after just one soul. They usually are out to sink the ship. They're out to get the vessel to crash. They have an agenda usually. It's unfortunate, but they do show up in churches. And if it wasn't for the last part of Jude, I'd be discouraged. But see, Jude said that Enoch prophesied that the Lord would come with his many thousands of holy ones and the Lord would execute judgment on them for all the evil things they did. The Lord would take care of it for us. So we don't have to feel like it isn't going to get taken care of. It will. So now Jew turns, he says, but you, beloved. That's what they do. But you, now what do you do? This is what we're going to turn our attention to. But you, beloved, ought to remember the words that were spoken beforehand by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, that they were saying to you, in the last times, there will be mockers that follow after their own ungodly lusts. In the, the epistle of Second Peter, he said the very same words. In the last days, there will be mockers 
They follow after their own lusts. They say things like, where is the coming of the Lord? They've been promising this for a long time. It hasn't happened. And Peter said, just remember with the Lord, one day to the Lord is like a thousand years for us. The Lord isn't slow. He is waiting for people to come to salvation. Now in Jude, verse 19, these are the ones who cause divisions. These ones that are mockers and follow their own ungodly lusts, they're the division causers. They're the worldly-minded ones. They're devoid of the Spirit. Here's some more characteristics about them. They're devoid. What's it mean to be devoid of the Spirit? They don't have it. It's like a chasm. There's a space in each person's heart made specifically shaped. Only the Holy Ghost can fill. It's funny in life how many people feel an emptiness. There's a cavity in me. I feel a little empty. It's like fitting a puzzle piece into they got heart-shaped hole, but I'm going to try to stick a liquor bottle in. It doesn't quite fit and fill all the shape, right? Or, or they try to stick whatever thing it is. They're trying to fill that emptiness, that empty space. But there's only one piece that fits perfect, and that is the Spirit of God. Is that heart-shaped piece that just fits right in there, click, and fills it completely. But these ones are devoid of the Spirit. Their shape is empty in there. It's a hollow. And because of it, they're worldly-minded. And they cause divisions. And they do. Boy, do they divide the body of Christ up. Now, verse 20 says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus to eternal life. We're waiting for the Lord to return. Because when he returns, we get the greatest taste of mercy that there is. We get to be with him. Now, he tells me, just keep yourselves in the love of God. Remember, the Lord loves you. You know, there are so many hang-ups with folks in our generation. And I think it's because we don't keep ourselves in the love of God. When he comes, he's not coming to judge us. He's coming to save us. He'll show mercy. He won't give us what we deserve for our sin. Instead, he'll give us grace and mercy. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. And mercy is holding back the judgment we do deserve. Guys, we got to keep ourselves in the love of God. And we need to be anxiously waiting for the mercy of the Lord. And listen to this, verse 22. And we need to have mercy on some that are doubting. And we should save others, snatching them out of the fire. And on some, we need to have mercy with fear, hating even the garment polluted by the flesh. We have to have love for the sinner. We're to snatch the sinner from the fire, but we're not to love their sin. It's like, love the sinner, hate the sin. To have a healthy fear of the fire, you have to be careful. You have to remember the fire can burn you. You're just trying to snatch them from the fire. You're not trying to hang out with them in the fire. They're already in the fire. We're just like the firemen going in to get them out. You know, somebody like, well, I hang out with my ungodly friends at the bar because how are they going to hear if I don't hang out with them? I don't hang out where the flames are licking my feet. That's like hanging out in a building that's on fire. That's not what you do. Now, can the sinner come and hang out with you? What about Jesus? Do you remember they accused him? He hangs out with sinners. If he knew what kind of people these were around him, Sure, he let them come hang out with him, but he didn't go hang out with them in their bar. He let them come out of the bar to hang out with him. 
I'm only just telling you this because some Christians tell me, I have the bar ministry. If you do, you better make sure you hate the garment polluted by the flesh. You hate the flame. You hate the sin because you know it's going to burn your friends. And you're just there to snatch them out. Now, I'm not saying God couldn't send you in to snatch someone. You could be the fireman sent in. You might be anointed by God, but see those firemen, they put on this suit, they put on this breather mask, they put on all this stuff. They're not planning on staying inside there. They're in, they grab, and they're out. And when you're saving someone, sometimes they want to grab their stuff, they don't want to leave the room, or they want to stay there, they're scared. Fear paralyzes them. You're saying, come on, get out of here, the room's burning down. You don't have time to have a discussion with them. If you have to, deck them. Just knock them out, throw them over your shoulder and carry them out. You can apologize later, but you save their lives. If the building's burning around them, they might be not really thinking in their right mind. They might be panicked. And sometimes you gotta care more about them than you care about their comfort for the moment. You're like, you gotta get out of here. Let's go. I don't wanna go. Drag them by the hair. It doesn't matter. Get them out. Because the purpose is salvation not comfort but christians were like well we got to make sure they're comfortable when we preach to them why if the flames are licking their feet they're already uncomfortable to start what you need to do is go in there and say we need to get out of here this is going to burn you this is not good so hate the garment polluted by flesh but have mercy with fear you got to show mercy to them but fear that you get burnt up with them and people, they're like, you can't do that. They'll be stepping on their toes. And sometimes we, we lose the bigger picture. Are we there to make them comfortable? Or are we there to save? I know that sounds really cut and dry, but let's be honest. Go back to verse 20. I'm sorry I read over this. He says, but you, beloved, build yourselves up on your most holy faith. We need to build up our faith. And then he tells us, praying in the Holy Spirit. One of the things we do is, is we literally can pray in the Spirit. God gives us his Holy Spirit. We know he gave us his Spirit as a seal, it says. A seal to seal us until the day of redemption. This is my property. God goes, I marked it. I gave him my Spirit. That's my seal. But did you guys know that the Holy Spirit helps us? The Bible tells us in Matthew... Even all the way back to the Psalms. Let me show you a Psalm. Psalm 5. This beautiful Psalm. This is a Psalm of David. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Or the word for meditation from the Hebrew is groaning. Consider my groanings. Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God. For unto thee will I pray. O Lord, in the morning will I direct my prayers unto thee, and I will look up or eagerly watch. I will wait expectantly, waiting for your answer. O Lord, in the morning, give ear to my words. O Lord. We're supposed to cry out in the morning to the Lord. How many of you wake up and talk to the Lord? Good morning, Lord. But you know that sometimes you don't know what to say. I got a lot on my plate. I don't even know how to put it in words. I can just see Dave waking up. Oh, Lord. Oh, i going to do this. I want to show you a verse in Romans 8. In verse 26 of Romans, Paul writes to the church at Rome. In the same way, 
The Spirit also helps us. He helps our weaknesses. For we don't know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings and moanings too deep for words. How many of you know that verse? The Spirit of God. It says, verse 27, He who searches the hearts and knows the mind of the Spirit because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Now, a lot of people know Romans 8.28, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and to those that are called according to his purpose. But they forget is two verses before it says he gave us his Spirit who intercedes. That means he goes in between you and God on your behalf. He's the go-between for you to God. He's like patching up your, you can't even put your prayer into words, just moaning and groaning. And the Spirit knows, you go, oh, 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 I don't know. And the Lord goes, I get you. Do you know that God can interpret a moan, a groan? Now, you have to have a really good friend. And I mean, know each other really well. If they can actually perceive, when you groan a certain groan, oh, they're like, oh, sorry you feel that way. Or, oh, they're like, oh, frustrating day, huh? Or, <laughs> hungry, huh? Need some food. To interpret a groan, they got to know your groans pretty good. But did you know that the Holy Spirit knows every groan you have? He knows every single moan, every single groan you make. David said, O oh Lord, in the morning will I direct my prayers unto thee, and even my groanings I will direct to thee. See, he understood God's bigger than even words. Sometimes when you're sad, you can't even put it into words. All you can do is moan. You think of someone when they're grieving, they lost a loved one. You ever been around someone, I mean, they lost someone they cared deeply about. They're at a total loss for words. Words do not even work. It's just heart-wrenching moans. The pain inside is so great. And you can't even express. How do you put it into words? The pain that you feel. Well, don't worry. The Holy Spirit that was given to you was given to help you to pray for you. And Jude says, be careful when you face these hidden reefs and you face these guys remember the words of the lord these mockers are going to come but you beloved verse 20 build yourself up in your most holy faith and you keep praying in the holy spirit did you know we get to use the spirit of god to pray i mean as a tool help your prayer life you're like i don't even know what to say the bible says you can pray in the spirit no words of understanding necessary. The Bible tells us there are tongues of men and there are tongues of angels. Some of the prayers that some people pray in the Spirit, they don't even sound like earthly dialects that I know. But they're praying in the Spirit. That's a gift that you have available to you, that you can pray in the Spirit. And what a powerful tool. Now we come to one of the best endings of a Bible book that I know. Jude, verses 24 and 25. Listen to these words. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, 
be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forevermore. Amen. What a great way to end a sermon. Who's the glory go to? I've listened to some preachers today. They're glory grabbers, I call it. They're like wrapping it up and everybody give me praise. I'm such a great preacher. In fact, you can tell in certain circles when you go around, they're like, instead of talking about Jesus being the thing that's the great thing at the church, they're like, that pastor is the great thing or this pastor is the great thing. Or haven't you heard about the Crystal Cathedral? They talk about a building, a facility is a great thing. That's not the great thing. Jesus, to him be the glory. To him be the honor, to him be the authority, the majesty, the dominion. It's all to him. Because he's able to keep you from stumbling. He's able to make you stand in his glory blameless. He's going to make you stand before him blameless. The Bible says, when Paul told the church at Ephesus, he said, Husbands, love your wives like Christ loves the church, and he presents her in all her glory with no spot, no wrinkle, nor any such thing that she should be holy and blameless. That's what Christ does for us. Men, we're supposed to do that for our wives. But to him be the glory, because he is going to present us holy and blameless with great joy. That's going to be a joyful day, guys. When we stand before God, and God goes, Look at my bride. She's holy, blameless. We'll be like dancing a jig, I am sure of it. We'll be like, this is the best day ever. All of our stains of our sin, washed clean, standing there before God in great joy. What a thing. So who should get the glory? Now unto him be all the glory, all the authority, all the dominion, all the majesty from all time before to the present now to forevermore. Amen. Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. You can listen to today's lesson or any of the radio lessons on iTunes titled Celebrate the Lord or at our podcast site, celebratethelord.org. And if your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the Big Island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings, 9 a.m., on the beach at the north end of the old Kona Airport. For more information on Amazing Grace Kona, go to our church website at AmazingGraceKona.com. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona.
明天。